Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guidebooks. Hello, and welcome to Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. I'm Dusty. And I'm Mike. If you're joining us for the first time, Gaze at the National Parks is a podcast that explores the trails of America's national parks, one hiking trail and one national park, one park at a time. In between our full-length episodes, which explore these trails, we have trail mix episodes. These episodes cover a variety of topics related to the national parks and the environment. And sometimes that means special guests. Over the last several months, we have had the opportunity to partner with Moon Travel Guides and the pleasure of speaking with the authors of several travel books, including Jason Fry and Jenna Blau. Both authors gave us a unique vantage into their quote-unquote home parks through candid conversation about our own experiences there. For Jason, these included Great Smoky Mountains and Shenandoah National Parks, and for Jenna, Death Valley and Joshua Tree National Parks. Our last interview in this series of episodes featuring Moon Travel Guide authors for this season is with Hilary Nangle, whose book on Acadia National Park is an absolute treasure. Acadia National Park is a park that we have had the pleasure of exploring on more than one occasion, and it is one of our favorite places on the East Coast. Hillary is a Mainer through and through, growing up along the coast and spending her wintertime in the Western Mountains. She has had a wide and varied career, including stints as a ski instructor, whitewater rafting guide, and as a communications director for the U.S. Men's Professional Ski Tour. Her work as a writer and editor has led to her not only writing about Acadia National Park for Moon Travel, but for other sources, including AARP, Art and Antiques, and National Geographic Adventure. And recently, we were able to sit down with Hillary and chat about Acadia National Park and the surrounding gateway communities and all of the beautiful secrets these spaces of the Pine Tree State have to offer. All right, so I'm Dusty. And I'm Mike. Okay. Hi, Dusty. Hi, Mike. And this is Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. It's true. What's funny is like people who listen to the show and we end up meeting them, they're like, wait, wait, you have to tell us who is who because I don't know. And so... It's funny because, you know, when you, it's only voices that are, that are put out there, you know, yeah. who knows? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Who knows? So Hillary, it is so nice to meet you. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here and talk with you guys because you just love talking about the parks. We do. 
We yeah. love talking about parks. We are definitely like nerds for trails and parks because mm-hmm. we'll do them all day long and we'll just collapse <laughs> collapse at the end of it. But we, you know, geek out over like shapes of rocks. We uh, nerd out over like trees on the trail, birds that we see, mm-hmm. the animal prints, like all of the above. We love all of it. Mm-hmm. And Acadia is, I think, probably for me on the East Coast, my shining gem because it is just such a cool space in so many ways, but specifically the thing I think that thrilled the both of us about Acadia the first time that we were there was that it is essentially a choose-your-own-adventure park when it comes to trails. It's like you can be on this trail and then connect to that trail and then go to this trail, and you can do all of that in a day and get back to where you started from. So that is something that that all those choices (laughs) excite me in so many ways. Um, So yeah. It's one reason you really have to have a trail map, a good trail map when you're there, because yeah, if you haven't planned right. I mean, if you're using the Island Explorer, you want to make sure, which is the free bus service that circulates through as long as you have a pass. Mm-hmm. But if you're using that and you, as long as you end up somewhere that the bus stops or near where the bus stops, you can get back. But if you yeah. end up somewhere else, you might not be around for a while, you know? You might be, you might be walking <laughs> yeah. back a very long way. We really like hiking in Acadia because our our tendency is to over plan for what we want to hike. Like we'll say like, we're going to do 37 miles today, which isn't true. We don't, we've never done 37 miles. I tend to plan that much. But, but but when we plan for trails, Mike is usually the one like planning and saying like, this is going to be the route that we're going to do. It'll often be a a 24 mile plan. Yeah. But what's great about Acadia is you can easily go, no, we're not going to do that section. Instead, we're going to take this shorter way and then we're going to end up in the same place at the end. A woman I met at a B&B, she was there with her husband and they were from Switzerland. And they said what they absolutely loved about hiking here was that, I mean, they were serious hikers too, but they absolutely mm. loved, it didn't take long to get to a summit. And because the summits are glacier scrubbed and bald, you are there with the views. You know, it, uh, yeah. you don't have to yeah. climb, you know, 5,000 feet to get to a spectacular view. You have to no. do when you're in many of the European Alps and area. So yeah, we talk about a lot when we talk about Acadia, we're like, it's so many landscapes all in one place. You get beach, forest, mountains, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. boggy, you know, swampy. swampy. You get climbs. Yeah. You get, um, I know I'm doing a little bit of disservice to the rest of Maine, but you almost get all of Maine in one island when you're on Mount Desert Island because you've got mountains. You know, they're nowhere near as big as the mountains in the western part of the state, but they're mountains, you know. You've got ocean. You've got little pieces of sand, which aren't really sand, they're shells at Sand Beach. Yeah. You've got rocky coast. You've got lakes and ponds and streams. You don't have huge rivers, but they're close enough. I mean, you get a real taste of Maine when you're on Acadia, it, well, within the park. The other thing you, a lot of people don't realize is the whole cultural landscape of the park, because Acadia is really a different park from all the rest of them. And it's a park loop road, the uh, stair trails, the carriage roads. They're all so special. The first time we were there, we were on a carriage road for quite some time for a, like a longer day that we were doing. And it is such a fascinating, different part of something you don't typically see in parks elsewhere. Even in um, when we were on the Scudic Peninsula on our second trip, I guess there are carriage roads as well, but they're used a lot for biking. That's also just kind of fascinating in that those things are built in for all manner of activity. Right. The Scudic ones are actually, were actually built very recently. And so they call them the bike paths. 
they don't call them the carriage roads. So they were really built for biking. I think even, you know, when you think about parks and you think about their relative distance to community, you're basically entrenched. The community is enmeshed within the park in so many ways, at least right at its doorstep in ways that other parks are definitely That's not. That's that history that makes Acadia different from a lot of other parks. It was not created out of a grand mass of public lands. It was created out of people's backyards and woodlots, just parcels here and parcels there. The Park Service refers to it as a, it's a very porous park. People go, well, where's the entrance? It's like, well, you're in the park. You're not. You're in the park. You're not. <laughs> here you are. Here you're not. You know, if you're going to drive the Park Loop Road, you're going to go through one entrance. Then they're going to make sure you got your pass. But other than that, you can walk out of almost any of the towns or villages within short order, walk into the park. How did your relationship with Acadia begin? Well, my first time I went was when I was with my parents when I was a little kid, of course, you know, living in Maine. And I don't remember all that much about it, but I do remember we went to the uh, Jordan Pond Tea House, which at that point hadn't burned to the ground yet. The original one, it was beautiful. My parents were not outdoor people. Other than golf, that was kind of, and skiing. They were not hikers or anything like that. So I didn't grow up with that kind of a background. But as I grew older, I went in that direction. (laughs) I started going to the park. Then I started working as a writer and working on guidebooks, which made me really get more in depth into Acadia and do more hiking and go on more of the um, carriage roads and discover a lot of the history behind the park, which is something that just fascinates me because it is so different. And now I go up regularly. I kind of tiptoe around at the pandemic years. Instead of going and staying for a few days, I'm lucky enough to be within driving distance of it. It's about two hours for me. I can go in and just spend a day going around the park and doing different things. That's how it started. It's got to be just having that as a backdoor, you know, in your backyard, it's got to be so special just because there is so much to explore. And in the two times that we were there, I feel like we got a really good lay of the land. We're able to see so much of the park. That's the other thing, too. I feel like you could spend a week in Acadia and see most of the park, which is not the case for so many other parks. It's big, but it's also manageable. And over the course of two trips, which probably equaled about a week, we were sort of able to do that. I'm sure for you as someone that has it in their backyard, you're constantly finding new things or seeing things from a different perspective or just having a different appreciation for what's there and how it's changed over time. too. Exactly. And it's, you know, it's funny, you think you can do the whole park and you've got the sense of it and you realize there are all these sections you never see. Like most people spend the, most of their time on the eastern side of Acadia. They make it over to the western side because they want to see the lighthouse or, you know, go over there they're on a kayaking trip to see the Acadia by the coast, but they don't realize there's some wonderful hiking over there as well. A lot of trails. That's one thing a lot of people miss. Another is that, well, you guys have been to Scudic. You know, a lot of people don't realize there's that whole section of the park. All right, so it's a good 45 minutes or more around to go by land. It's the only mainland section of the park. But you can take a ferry from Bar Harbor over for the day, and the bus will meet you. Or you can take a bike or rent a bike there. That's a small section of the park, but there's a lot to see and, and experience there. And then there's another whole section of Acadia, which is on Isla Hope, the backcountry section. We've not been there. Oh. Yeah. We were When we were um, looking through your book we were like we've not been there yeah. and then we've not been to that other little baker island oh. baker, but i'm not yeah. sure if that 
Uh, We've not been there either. Yeah. We'd love to go yeah. there. Yeah, Baker's special. It's not a hiking set. You know, you have to go on a park, excur- an excursion boat, um, which runs out of Bar Harbor. One of the companies, usually Bar Harbor Whale Watch, works with them and put a ranger on the boat and give you a tour of the island. That's where the Gilly family lived and raised their 12 kids and rowed over to the mainland all the time. And he was the first light keeper when they built a lighthouse out there. It just shows you another whole side of it. the life on the island and in the area that is so into the park. Just like the park is woven into the villages, so are lives woven into the park. A lot of people don't realize that, how, how you know, they're expecting to see barriers, they're expecting to see entrances, and they don't get that, I'm in it, I'm out, I'm in it, I'm out. And Idaho, that's, yeah, you got to plan well in advance for Idaho because there are only five lean-tos on there, and you bring everything in, of course, everything out. You could charter a boat to go over to Idaho. There is the Idaho Boat Company runs, works with the park and runs what they call the Park Boat, which goes from Stonington at the tip of the Deer Isle Peninsula. So you can't get to it from Mount Desert Island. You have to go from the tip of the Deer Isle Peninsula, Stonington, take the mail boat, Idaho boat over to Idaho. And there are only so many people allowed each day. It's very limited. The ranger meets everybody and makes sure they know where they're going. People who look like they think they're going to sneak off and, you know, camp somewhere. No, they count everybody on, everybody off. It's very much more of a remote backcountry experience. Probably the most remote section of the park for people who really want to get away. And the hiking there is a little more, not more difficult, but a little more rugged because it is isolated there. You know, there's a village on one end of the island, but it's a small village. And it's a four-mile hike from Duck Harbor where the boat goes in. And it's so funny because saying backcountry for Acadia, everything feels very explored, laid out, and curated. There are obviously a lot of parks that have very vast backcountry. So to hear that this island is sort of like the microcosm of the backcountry of Acadia, it's very cool to hear about. I feel like in our two trips, that's one thing that we definitely didn't clock or even, you know, notice. And I guess you'd have to notice it and be aware of it and plan very far in advance from what you're saying. But that's got to make it special too, to um, have it be so limited with the amount of people that can be there daily and the amount of people that can camp there. You can, the camping is what really um, you need to plan in advance. If you, and if you want to really hike on Idaho, you want to camp there. Otherwise, you don't have enough time to really do some serious and get away from it all hiking and make sure you're back for the boat. But you can go out on a day trip. That's You can get on far easier than getting a campsite. What are some of your favorite spots in Acadia across all of the sections of it? And since there are so many pathways to all the different spots, I'm also curious if you have like favorite ways to get to those spots. The easiest accessible and my one of my favorite spots in the parks is Cedar de Mont Springs, which is kind of the heart of Acadia. You get so much of Acadia there and it's accessible for everybody. You can drive and park there. You can walk in from the village of Bar Harbor or the town of Bar Harbor on a very easy path. There's a great meadow which leads to the Jessup Trail and a good part of the Jessup Trail is accessible. It's a boardwalk. You know, it's not paved, but it's pretty accessible. You get there, you have, again, so much that you can do in this one little place in the park. You want to hike. Door Mountain rises right behind it. Okay, it's really in the shadow of Door. And George Door, of course, is considered the father of Acadia. That's why it was named. And he's the one who created, um, gave the land and built the Florentine, Italian Florentine um, spring house. That's kind of fancy right there at Sudamont Springs. And you can see that. But the trails there, those are some of the CCC trails. Okay, the so-called tree boys. But they go right up Door. There's four good ones that are memorial trails. They all have these beautiful granite 
stairs ebbing and flowing up the mountain and stopping at little balcony areas so you can look out for beautiful views and then continue up and some of them are lined with some coping stones. One of them is named for um, Eliza Holmans who when they created the park she gave the first parcel of land to the park effort. That parcel was the beehive and the bowl, which you guys probably hiked. And you probably didn't realize that history. That that piece <laughs> no, of no. property was donated by, was the first part of the park effort and donated by a woman. Because most people think of the park as kind of an all-male kind of, you know, all the fathers of Acadia. But no, there were a lot of women involved in it too. But back to Sirdmont Springs. Okay, so you've got the trails. You've got wonderful trails. You can go up. You can also walk over and go up Huguenot Head and up to Champlain. And again, that's a beautiful stair trail. I love the stair trails because uh, especially as my knees are getting worse and worse, it's, they ease the up and down and uh, take a little bit of mm-hmm. the stress off. And they make the trails more as anybody can walk up and see even just a little section of the stair trails, which again are part of the history. There's also a nature center there that the park runs, so if you want to get a little sense of that. There's the Wild Gardens of Acadia. The Friends of Acadia now I think oversee, but it is a microcosm of all the native plant life. Uh, this garden's over um, probably around 100 years old now, but all the different plants. So you want to see what's up on the summit of Acadia, but you couldn't get, you can't hike and you can't get car reservations to go up. Oh, you can see it. Some of those subalpine plants there. You can go there to learn to identify things. So when you go out hiking, you have an idea of what's out there. And then there's the Abbey Museum of Antiquities, Dr. Robert Abbey, the little museum that was the original, filled with indigenous artifacts from the Wabanaki, who of course were the first settlers. Those are the main, the four main tribes, the Passamaquoddy, Penobscot, um, Maliseet, and Micmac, who, you know, 12,000 years ago was the first people. So all of that is accessible right there. And you can walk by the Tarn, which is a kind of a marsh area that's slow slowly being filled in is of course a stop on the island explorer too i mean people go oh i you know they think they're going to go into stop at sir de mont springs for you know we'll just take a quick look around and you know an hour and a half later they're still there (laughs) i love seawall now did you guys get over and see seawall at all we were over on the western side and we only hiked we we hiked bernard bernard and mansell oh yeah that's a great one and then also we did around long pond yeah, and Beach, Beach Mountain. Mountain. Yeah, so we did basically one day. We like started at the tip of Long Pond, and then up and back down, and then up to the other side. We were going to do Acadia Mountain too that day, and we were just flattened by the <laughs> end of it. <laughs> we're so exhausted. Yeah, yeah. There's some serious people. They go, they're not that high, but yeah, this you can get some serious oh. hiking in. <laughs> they're yeah. really high. What is it? Was Beach? Is Beach on the eastern side yeah. of that? Yes. Yeah. Beach that, was when we that we was came the second. down that one way, and we were like, "Oh gosh. how do people go up this way?" Yeah. It was how do so people steep. go up that way? <laughs> was um, so steep. That's not the way to go up. No. <laughs> Even going down, it was like we had to sit and kind of scoot. It at was some sitting parts. and yeah. scooting. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Treachery. Did you um? Yeah. When you went up Mansell, did you go up the um, perpendicular trail? I oh, think I think we did. Stairs. So, yeah. Lots of stairs. A friend of mine who counted said there were at least a thousand. I think she said a thousand and nine. But it's also considered the most built trail because of the coping stones and the stairs and just beautifully okay. laid mm-hmm. out. I don't maybe we didn't. Uh, maybe do we didn't get to Mansell Mountain. <laughs> no, but isn't there a jet off? I'm trying to think of what the other there's Mansell and what's the other Bernard. That's Bernard. So I guess we, were we did on Bernard. Bernard. And I think we, but you can jut over to Mansell, I think, right? Oh, Without I'd, I'd have to, to look at the map and figure out everything. I get, 
I know. I now think I need that's to what say, we. I think that was how we did well, it. I have your book right here, so I'm just. Gonna <laughs> <look>. <laughs> uh, I think that's what we well, did. I don't think we did the perpendicular trail. I think we. Because there is a connector over to Mansell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, think I think we went around we did a loop, the stairs basically. area. Yeah. Like we didn't, like I think this middle I part I see where the stairs would be. Are the stairs. so, so I think hard we, to be selective with what goes in the book and what doesn't, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine, hmm. especially in a place like Acadia where there's so, so much. Well, what is your process with like figuring out like, okay, well, what gets included and what doesn't? Well, you have to put in all the must-sees, right? Which are mostly mm-hmm. along the Park Loop Road, but then there's some on the western side. Uh, also including the fact that the park is on some of the islands, all right? So I'm just talking about the Mount Desert Island section, right? Let's forget the other two sections, which have their own chapters. But Baker, as we talked about, the Cranberry Islands, um, taking the path. I, I mean, I love telling people... Really, take the little ferry boat. It's not serious. You're not going to hike. You're just going for the experience of going on these boats that go out. They're like giant lobster boats, really, of either Northeast or Southwest Harbor. Go, and you go between the two cranberries, and the boat's kind of to and fro and hopscotch along. You can get off and on and off and on. Your ticket covers you for the day. You can go where you want to go. But there's a small museum on Islesford, which is one of um, the islands, and that's a park runs that museum. So there's some, it's mostly local history, but you get a little more there too. So yeah, you know, I've got to put things like that into the book. I've also got to provide a lot of information on dining and lodging, which there really isn't much of to speak of in the park. It's not like the big Western parks that have all these beautiful old historic hotels. It differs because the hotels were in the towns in on Mount Desert Island. So I've got to make sure I give people enough places to stay and places to eat. So I've got to get those in. And choosing what goes in with the park, I try to balance trails people expect to be in the park and sites with some surprises and some places that, oh, you want to get away? I mean, for example, this summer, I'm sure everybody saw this photos that were making rounds on social media of the Precipice Trail and the line of people on it. Did, did you guys do the Precipice? We did. Is Precipice, I'm trying to remember, is that near Hugo Knothead? Is um, that, I'm trying to think of where it is. You come Ooh. off the um, Park Loop Road to hike it. Uh-huh. And it's basically a cliff trail with a little path around. It's a rung and ladder. Oh. Yeah. I think we it's did the do that. Yeah, I, I know the name is familiar, after. but yeah. It's not one you kind of go both ways on. You kind of make it into a loop. No. But, you know, if somebody... Yeah, I just can't remember. A lot of... It, it was, you know, it kind of was getting a lot of people were co- talking about it. And so it started getting people who really shouldn't be hiking it on it. You get somebody who stops or freezes because they're scared of the heights or they just want to go back down and you've got this line behind you and everybody's on a cliff edge going. <laughs> What's well, sort of like the beehive, I would imagine, is like... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which we have um, done twice, the first time in reverse accidentally, (laughs) and then the second time, the way that you should do it, which is hiking up it, not down. (laughs) Yeah, we hiked down it the first time because we were just... We had ended up there on this long day. And, and we were, it was like, oh, this is a short way to get over to this, the Sand parking, Beach, I to think Sand we were, Beach. Yeah, yeah. And so we started going down and we were like, 
what is what have what this is a vertical climb <laughs> we were so like we had uh, hiking poles we, in our hands we had we were like okay well we've got to repack everything so that we can do this and everyone that was going up was super kind about it <laughs> super kind they were very kind about it but that was also you know this was pre-pandemic the first time we'd done it and then the second time it was that summer right after it was summer 2020 that we were able to sneak up and and kind of explore the park again so it, we did it early because again Acadia that summer I mean just like all the other parks that summer and this summer too just have exploded as far as population goes it was wild to see I feel like that first time we were there what was that 2018 I think we went yeah um the summer of 2018 it was it was busy but it wasn't what didn't feel like such a crowd that it was hard to navigate and then I just remember coming off of the end of a long day and having to walk back to where we had parked at the parking lot of Sand Beach and Beehive and walking along Ocean Path. And it was insane. It was truly insane. insane. Yeah. You know, you've got to put the iconic trails in, right? But uh, then, you know, I like to tell people, okay, well, you want to get away, go to the western side of the island. Some of them, uh, obviously, Beach Mountain is going to be much more busy. But as you keep going west <laughs> as you went up mansell and in that area it got fewer and fewer and if you drop down um, into the great notch and along pond area you know you really can get away it was very peaceful and and quiet out there yeah yeah i mean i came in one year on the fourth of july um weekend with a friend because i needed to see something and i'm like okay we're going to try to avoid people <laughs> yeah and I said, we're just going to stick on the western side. We started out, we went into the Pretty Marsh picnic area, which is just a beautiful picnic area. If I'd wanted to grab a picnic table, I had my pick of them. There was, you know, very few people there. Kept going, um, you know, of course, saw more people as I got over to the seawall section because there is a campground there. But again, the lighthouse, of course, gets busy because they don't have a big parking lot there. I was with a friend and we had two dogs with us. So I'm like, okay, we got to eat outside somewhere. Where are we going to go? And I'm like, well, I know one place. I'm sure it's going to be totally crazy. At I said, it's really good, but it'll be crazy. And it wasn't. That's the thing about the Western side. It tends to be quieter. I guess we read about it online somewhere. They said, get there very, very early. Well, because yeah. remember, there wasn't, there was, we parked at Long Pond and there was really oh, right. no There's parking like there. 12 yeah. parking spots yeah. there or something. They said, so, get very, get there very early if you want parking. Even just to do Beach Mountain and see, you know, that that is also another kind of swimming hole spot for people. When we were climbing up that, which was like in the afternoon, it was packed out. I really enjoyed the challenges that Beach Mountain and kind of going up those ladders. Uh-huh. And, and obviously that's not a trail that is for everyone but that was so different from the Mansell and Bernard Mountain side of the the pond you're getting like it seemed like it was a more of a social part of the park a lot of floating on the water yeah yeah once you get to a, a certain point beaching. you're allowed to swim um yeah yeah it's, yeah. yeah it's a beautiful spot but I do feel I, f- I feel like the scudic from our experience was also very very quiet um, and one of my favorite places and definitely ever. like captured our hearts and souls in so many different ways because yeah. we hit it on maybe it was just the atmosphere of the day because it was foggy and oh, yeah. the, it was the sun was breaking through here and there but we were mostly in fog and going through you know hiking down um, Buck Cove Mountain 
trail and then getting down to the end, which I think is the anchor is down there or the altar the trail. Anvil. I forget what it all, it all kind of comes together in a loop at the bottom. The moss on the trees was heavy and everything seems like it's just a very old, ancient kind of woodland. And I'm sure on a day when it's not foggy like we had, it's probably the same, but we had there was something just truly magical about that experience, but it was also quiet. Um, we sat at the beach at the end, you know, on the rocky, sh- you know, on like a, like a slab, essentially a giant slab and just like watched the waves come in and then just looked at the fog not far out after that. So it was just truly a, a special experience there. And I think it's part of the park that maybe people visit the least. Ilaho would be the least, but it's it's increasing, you know. It's definitely increasing there. Um, when they opened the campground a few years back, you know, that gave people... I mean, there were very few places to stay on the Scudic Peninsula um, before that. Um, and now there are more campgrounds opening in that area, providing more access. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, and it is the only mainland section. So if people are just going up the coast and they want a little taste of Acadia, they can dip down and do that. But it doesn't get as many people by a long shot. The Scudic Loop Road that loops through that section is nowhere near as long as the Park Loop Road on Mount Desert Island, but it's a spectacular road. I mean, you just see so many things when you go through. It's just beautiful. It's not the jaw-dropping sights that you might get you know, on Mount Desert Island. But you get just these beautiful little spots, these views out with these rock bars, cobble beaches, the spruce trees, and they're kind of stunted in areas. It's just beautiful. And then, you get, of course, you get out to the point, out to Scooter Point with those pink granite slabs and the volcanic lines going through them. It's pretty special. And a lot of people don't realize that there's the Sundew Trail that goes from the Scudic Institute, which is on the campus where the Rockefeller Building is, which has a small museum in it, which is great. And then it goes out toward the back of the campus goes out to the water so you're walking along the coast again and it goes right up to Scooter Point so you can get there that way too that's a trail I think I've done it just only once or twice but I've never seen anybody else on it <laughs> you go out there and there it's you know there's some benches that are built along it and you can just kind of sit there and pretend you're the only one that exists on the whole area it's lovely mm-hmm. of course now that I've said that that's people what will it find felt it. like on Scooter yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's how it always happens right right, right. one thing that we didn't really get a chance to do, and I know there's a large focus in your book about it, is exploring those communities that are around. We obviously spent time exploring Bar Harbor, but we haven't gone, you know, into those other communities that are around. I'm curious, in your process in adding in things for the communities, obviously, you're so close. Do you stay a night in an Airbnb or a bed and breakfast? And like, how does that work when you're adding stuff like that into the book, especially for someone that is within travel distance to the park? To really do the park, you know, you've really got to be up there. Because uh, as you say, you've got to yeah. get up early in the morning to do some events and things. Pretty much any place that's in the book... I have either stayed or walked through or visited or talked with friends and people who have. I'm pretty careful about it. And then I have to balance all price points, right? So, and that gets increasingly harder on Mount Desert Island as the price of lodging 
goes up. You know, I think it's a universal thing around parks in the towns around parks where Airbnbs have bought up a lot of the housing. So there aren't that many places to stay. The price of everything goes up. And of course, they have the worker shortage that results from it, which is even more when you're in a seasonal island community. Yeah, no, I try to visit. I try to eat all different places. And I try to include and add things that, for example, museums, sites that I think complement or add to the experience of the park. For example, if you love birds and you're out bird watching, you're going to love the Wendell Gailey Museum. It's full of carved birds. It's in Southwest Harbor. He was a local plumber who was a bird carver and a fantastic bird carver. So you can go in and see the, the carvings and you can even take a carving class if you want to. So that's a good one. You know, when you're hiking around the island, you're, you're running into granite everywhere you go. And there's a granite museum. And if you want to know more about that granite, because every quarry in Maine had a different granite, you know, you can go in, talk to the guy who runs it, tell him where you're from. And he'll help you find, see if there's Maine granite or Mount Desert Island granite near you at home. There's a good chance there is. It's all over the place. You know, it's used in everything from roads to monuments, to national buildings, places like that. You know, the Abbey Museum, the big one in Bar Harbor. And even something as fun as St. Sevier's Church in downtown Bar Harbor, which has... 10 Tiffany windows. The 11th was stolen. I mean, how do you steal a stained glass window? I, I keep pondering that. You know, and those Tiffany windows speak to when Bar Harbor was the rival of the Newport as a summer colony, right? With the Astors and the Vanderbilts and the Pulitzers and the Rockefellers and all, you know, who's who of the island. But there's also other windows, and one of them, which I love, honors the um, Jackson Lab founder which the Jackson Lab, when you're hiking up, for example, a precipice or a beehive, and you're looking out, you can look kind of back and down. And even when you're going out the road out that way, you'll see kind of a long lab. It's the Jackson Lab. And they are they do pioneering research. And um, they create genetically specific mice. And there's a window in that church with mice in it. And I just think it's so cute. <laughs> I look for things that complement. I look for things that are offbeat and weird and fun and funky because those are the things I love. We're the same way. We love yeah. those. Yeah, it's, that, it's like that church, you know. It's just, okay, it's a church. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm internally clocking that um, <laughs> bird place because I recently... I decided to stop denying who I was. And that was that I like birds very much. <laughs> and I was just like a birder in the making. So I just was like, I'm doing this now. And so, um, so yeah, that's definitely a stop I'll have to make the next time we go. Yeah. And there are um, a lot of little, there are a lot of good companies and people on the island who will take you out to find things. I mean, I tell people that it's, if you really want to experience the park, you've got to see it in some capacity from the water, whether you, that means you're going to go kayaking or you're going to get on one of the excursion boats that takes you out, because then you can really get a sense. I mean, the, we talked about Baker Island. The boat that goes to Baker Island goes by Otter Cliffs. Now, when you're on top of Otter Cliffs, if you're walking along the ocean path and you're looking out, you may see somebody standing there with climbing gear. But when you go by it on a boat, if you've got binoculars, you can see people in all these positions on the <laughs> on the cliffs climbing up. And it's kind of, you know, it's, a, it's kind of cool. So yeah, a boat gives you a whole different perspective. Yeah, something we haven't done yet either is an excursion like that, either for whale watching or kayak, oh, yeah. you know, for the purposes of just going around the island because we've mostly been on land. <laughs> we did do the... The bar trail, Island. yeah, oh, Bar Island. Bar we Island. did take the the trail across that was really at special. low tide. Yeah, yeah, that's a special. Um, and the views. I mean, I was I've been up there like just after sunrise, and it's spectacular. You know, it's just you can yeah. watch the light come into the town. But it's 
it's cautioning people that you have to do it specifically around low tide or you're going to be stuck there. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh-huh. never fail. Every summer, somebody who's not familiar with islands and waters and all that comes out and parks on the sandbar and a tide comes in. Never fail. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, yes. And you can't emphasize it enough. I can also see how people are like, oh, look, at there's a sandbar. Let's go over. Who haven't yep. taken the time to think about what they're actually doing and that maybe that sandbar that gave the island and the town its name disappears. <laughs> what a nightmare of a situation yeah, I know. <laughs> to end up in. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'm curious for someone who's never been to Acadia before, say they're coming for a couple of days. What do you recommend for somebody who's coming for a few days who's never been before? What are the first few things you would say? Do these immediately? I would say first, before you even come, make reservations to go up Cadillac Mountain. Pick a time of day if you want to do sunrise or sunset. Both are spectacular. You're going to have people up there, but make the reservations. You can't just drive up. They do hold back a number of reservations for the day before. So you can, you know, so many, I can't remember the exact percentage. People can make them then. But if you want to be sure, and yes, you're playing a little roulette with the, um, weather but you know you may pick a foggy day or a rainy day and there's no sunrise or sunset and there's not much if it's foggy there's not much in the view but you at least get up there and as you said fog is beautiful right it can be add this kind of quality that you don't see elsewhere especially if you're up on the summit of Acadia and any of the um, little subalpine flowers are blooming anything with color tends to shine a little more and show a little more in the fog so you know it's it's pretty in its own way you have to learn to appreciate things in their own way uh, so definitely want that you definitely want to drive the park loop road and give yourself enough time to enjoy it right you don't want to be going oh we don't have time to do this you know, yeah you want to stop at sand beach and just stick your fingers or toes in the water it's like 50 degrees it's it's cold but it's fun if people just want to start their day with a nice marta easy hike i tell them sand beach and great head it's beautiful it's another one i've been up on very crowded days and for some reason Nobody's over there. There are ruins of an old tea house at the summit from way back. You know, stopping at the Icon, stop at, you know, Thunder Hole, Otter Cliffs. I love Little Hunter's Beach, a beautiful cobble beach. It's not well marked, so you've got to kind of know where it is. And if you go down to it, there's a wooden stairway down to it. Often there's a ranger there, but the tide rolls in over those cobbled stones. You can hear it, and there's a stream that trickles down too as well. So it's just, it's beautiful. And time it if you can to do um, afternoon tea and popovers at the Jordan Pond House. The Jordan Pond House is, again, part of the history of the park. It's the only food service in the park. It can be busy. Some years they take reservations. Some years they don't. Sit outside if the weather's fine. You are sitting on the lawn. There are gardens. You're looking down Jordan Pond at the bubbles, which are, you know, this mountain formation. Afterward, you can go up and hike the bubbles, especially South Bubble. It's got a great glacial erratic, and you can do that sisyphus photo of trying to push the rock you know and hold it back or whatever and then if you continue out just a little bit I think some people just go to the rock and turn around and don't realize you have to continue out and then you've got that beautiful view over Jordan Pond and out to the Cranberry Islands for very little effort maybe a moderate trail that's on that side of the park so and of course you want to do the carriage roads right so allow time to choose which way you're going to do the carriage roads. Are you going to bike them? Are you going to take a a carriage road tour on a horse-drawn carriage? Or are you just going to plan a nice little walk? Whichever way you do it, I say do it to take in as many of the bridges as you can because 
that's another thing that makes the carriage road special. Each one of the 17 stone bridges that are on the trail, everyone is different. And some are just grand, you know, the, um, the Witch Pond carriage road system, Duck River Bridge. I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the bridge, but the bridge there, it's, it's one of t- only two of the triple arched bridges. And it's spectacular to look at. And you can walk around the pond and there's a beaver den off in there. And it's just, it's beautiful. If you have the ability, at least check out the stair trails. Because I neglected to mention Sierra de Mont because we talked so much about it, but definitely go in there and spend a little time. And even if you're not a climber or a hiker, walk up to one of the base of one of these trails and just take a few steps up and see what they're like because they're really cool. Uh, and this is where it gets tricky because there's so much on the eastern side of the island that when you've only got a few days, it's hard to draw people over to the western side. But seawall, especially if you're a birder, seawall is spectacular because there's a brackish pond on one side and the ocean on the other. It's this cobbled seawall that forms naturally that divides it. The pond is, you know, it's got marshland, so it's a really great place for birds. It's also a great place if you want to get over there and you're not quite sure how to fit it in your day to go in at night on a clear night because the stargazing there is spectacular. All right, Mm -hmm. so you can go there and just, you know, go to the picnic area and just pull right in there or really anywhere along. The picnic area at least has some tables so you can sit down. It's kind of hard to spread a blanket on cobbles to look up at the (laughs) Uh, But, you know, that's another place. And I love the lighthouse, Bass Harbor Light. But again, it has a very small parking lot. Try to go at an off hour. Go very early, go very late. Although as you go with sunrise and sunset, you're going to get the photographers there. They kind of crowd it. But it's special and it's worth seeing. Park has taken over that lighthouse now um, and they're figuring out how, how they're going to treat it and what they're going to do. And then get out on the water. See the park from the water if you can. We love to end our episodes. We make up trail games all the time. And so we would love to play a game if you're interested. Which I think you're going to be very good at. But you're going to be for very our listeners good at, this at game. home, <laughs> <laughs> they, may be, they may have some um, trouble with this. The game we came up with is, is it a site in Acadia or did we just make it up? Oh, fun. We were so amazed by just how, like, there are so many sites, and there are so many places with names. The spot has a name, the trail has a name, the, the cove has a name, the river has a, There's so many places with names. So we have a list of 10. We're just going to go through them, and you're going to tell us if it's a real place or if we just made it up. Oh, dear. Okay. Are you ready to play? Um, I guess so. But I, I, if, I, <laughs> if I fail, you can't put this part in the... <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I think you're going to be fine. I, I think don't you're going to be fine. Okay. I don't think we uh, there are any that are s- too much of a stumper. I think you're you'll get it. Okay. Okay. Do you want to start us? Sure. Th- we have ten. Yep. I think we have twelve. Oh, we have yeah. twelve. We have twelve. Bernard Mountain. Cadia. Yes. Yes. It's a yep. real place. Real place on the east side. Window Mountain. No. 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 <laughs> but it it was inspired by Door Mountain. Uh, oh. Right. So <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Okay. Flying Mountain Trail. <gasps> One of my favorites. Great pre-breakfast trail. <laughs> it is a oh, real place. Great indeed. to know. Mm-hmm. Great pre-breakfast trail. <laughs> Gorge Path. Yes. Yes, very yes. tricky little one. It is in Acadia. Yeah, that's very that's uh, connects you from Cadillac yeah. over. And yes, that was something we did on the first day we ever were there. We hiked up to Cadillac and then 
over the gorge path and then set our like w- meanderings from there mm-hmm. uh, okay i'm impressed that's <laughs> a good one yeah yeah it was, is a good uh, one. it was a tough day yeah. Yeah. it was a good day yeah. that was a good tough day yeah oldsmobile mountain <laughs> no but there's a cadillac <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. right that's right there we go <laughs> i'm getting this now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cannon brook trail okay yeah, I believe there is. I believe that's on the backside of Acadian St. Sevier Mountains. That, that is, is correct. correct. <laughs> yes. Cannonbrook yeah. Trail, real place. Mm-hmm. Lightning Hole. No, but there's a Thunder Hole. That is correct. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> Sundew Trail. Well, there is a Sundew Trail, but it is over on the Scudic section of the park. That's right. It's, that's that's right. right. You mentioned, you mentioned it before. It. Yeah. We, were like, yeah. we were like, she's mentioned yeah. every one of these. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pimento Mountain. Okay, where are we going with this one? Let me think a minute. No. Uh, cocktail? No. <laughs> what are you, where are you going with this one? I can't. There, there is right. no There is no, no Pimento Mountain. Pimento is the type of cheese, oh, right? Right. But, but there is... Pimetic Mountain. Pimetic oh, Mountain. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. The Beehive. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. The Funnel. The Funnel. No. But no. where are you going with that one? But there is a bowl. Oh, yes, there is. <laughs> when you the take bowl. the beehive, you get there. <laughs> That's true. You can go for right. a swim. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the last one on the list, Champagne Mountain. <laughs> Champlain, yes. And if you go to the summit and bring, and bring a bu- bottle of bubbly, you can have champagne there. This is true. <laughs> and then you can turn Champlain Mountain into Champagne Mountain. Exactly. exactly. Oh, I love it. You nailed that <laughs> you game, <did>. Hillary. <laughs> this has been Trail Mix by Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. And we're here to remind you to hike early and hike often. And that adventure is always out there. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by us, Dustin Ballard and Michael Ryan. To see images from this episode, follow our Instagram at Gaze at the National Parks. To contact us, email us at gaze at the National Parks at gmail.com. And to find out more about the parks visited on this show, visit our website, gaze at the National Parks.com. That's Gaze, G A Z E. All original artwork featured on Instagram, on the website, and in our gaze shop is by me, Michael Ryan. All original music was written by Dave Seaman and performed by Dave Seaman, Mariella Klinger, and Sean Sklios. Our music producer is Skylar Fortgang. This episode was edited by me, Dustin Ballard. We would also like to acknowledge that while recording this episode, that we are on the traditional and stolen lands of the Lenape people, also known as Ocean County, New Jersey.